Okay, good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for being here. Uh, today is Wednesday, November 4th. In the morning in Taiwan, the night of uh, the election in the U.S., uh, November 3rd. And uh, we're going to continue reading Sutta Nipata, concluding uh, at last the third chapter of Mahavaga, a, a chapter of uh, Sutta Nipata, which is called Mahavaga. So the last, the third chapter of the 71 suttas and Sutta Nipata, the last um, sutta in Mahavaga is called Vayutanupasana Sutta. Vayutanupasana. And I'm going to read um, Tanasaro Bhikkhu's translation. The other ones from Access to Insight are just excerpts. And it's a long and involved sutta and I will summarize it a little bit, and I may uh, take a break from reading Sutta Napata after uh, this sutta concludes, which will be hopefully in one hour today. And the next two chapters, uh, the fourth and fifth of Sutta Napata, uh, I may skip, uh, or I may just do the fifth chapter Parayana Vaga, chapter on the way to the far shore, Parayana. And there are many suttas, there are um, 17 or 16, uh, 17, that are basically direct questions of um, monks and other Brahmins and uh, people in the community, direct questions to Gautama, which are interesting. But in any case, <clears throat> before I get into this reading number 54, 54th episode of Sutta Nipata, which again is Vayutanupasana Sutta. Just to remind you, um, the podcast page continues mirroring the YouTube channel, and um, it's more stable in that <laughs> there's no politics behind uh, what's being said there and who's allowed and not. So that is uh, HTTP Talks with Scott Mandelker, dot blogspot.com no www but talks with scott mandelker dot blogspot dot com and um, you'll see over 550 takes a couple of weeks uh, for the mirroring but um, it's pretty much kept current so today <clears throat> Tanasaro's brief write-up of Vayutanus Pasana Sutta saying not all dualities are misleading. This sutta teaches ways to contemplate the duality of the origination and cessation of stress and suffering so as to reach awakening. Uh, actually, this sutta includes 15 different dualities <laughs> or polarities and um, spells them out. And uh, there's some verse commentary from Gautama after each one of these uh, 15 or so dualities. <laughs> so 15 times 2 is 30. And some of them are uh, two sets of two, meaning uh, some of these rightful uh, uh, contemplations, uh, dualities for rightful contem contemplation. That's the point. Rightly contemplating any of these dualities Gautama says, K 
can lead to complete and perfect awakening uh, in the here and now or non-returning, which is the third out of the four levels of awakening. So it's actually a very hardcore philosophical document, uh, the Sutta, and uh, it's quite long and involved. The <clears throat> uh, Wisdom Library definition of Vayu Pasana Sutta says, a dissertation delivered by the Buddha outside of Migaramatu Pasada, Pasada, Migaru Migaramatu Pasada, Pasada, on a full moon day. This is actually a particular uh, residence and um, facility location that was built by uh, some devotees and lay people, and it was quite a lovely place. So it was outside of that particular Migaromatu Pasada, Pasada, which is a, a type of place. On a full moon day, he tells of the twofold insight, and it's actually 15 of uh, these pairs uh, or, or instances of polarity or duality, tells of the twofold insight, the insight of Dukkha and its cause, and then Niroda, which is another term for nir, Nirvana or Nibbana, and the way thereto. And so the first of the dualities for contemplation, rightful contemplation, is the Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths can be divided into two sets, each uh, of a particular polarity or duality. The polarity of Dukkha and its cause, and then the polarity of Nirvana and the way to it, which is also called its cause or the cause of getting there. Uh, and so the first of the 15, <laughs> as the Four Noble Truths, gives two sets of dualities or two sets of, a dua of duality or polarity, uh, being the Four Noble Truths divided into two, which is the heart of Buddhism. I mean, the heart of Buddhism is the Four Noble Truths. And that's, uh, as I've said many times, what makes Gautama's teaching or Buddhism, original Buddha Dhamma, certainly from the Pali, 100% path-centered. It's a path-focused teaching. Um, they're not interested in cosmology. There's discussion of cosmology and multidimensional metaphysics or conditions of higher dimensional life, the cause of creation, or um, even the intricacies of karma, right? These were some of the imponderables. That's not the focus in Buddha Dhamma. And um, that makes it extremely practical and also arduous <laughs> and, and difficult uh, because there are no bells and whistles here. It's all about conduct and uh, the development of mind through samadhi and the nature of insights or panya wisdom prajna so shila samadhi prajna that's it and as we see with all the previous suttas where brahmin youths are questioning gautama or yogis uh, he keeps redirecting them to conduct conduct as the basis for samadhi practice concentration meditative mind development uh, leading to insight and awakening and release which comes under the last of those three called Panya or Prajna, Srila Samadhi Prajna. And so the first of the dualities for contemplation is the Four Noble Truths. 
uh, a little bit uh, larger uh, definition. Actually, let me let me just uh, something that I hadn't read there. Um, the second half of <laughs> the sentence, or the or the second portion of the description on Wisdom Library, is he then proceeds, meaning after talking about the twofold insight or a breakdown of the Four Noble Truths, he then proceeds, Gautama, to explain the origin of Dukkha from Upadi, Avidya, and so on. This term Upadi I had not really known before, also from Wisdom Library. Uh, we're talking, the, the definition of Upadi is substrata of existence. Existence uh, is akin to reincarnation in the seven dimensions of the octave or the existence of the octave the substrata of existence is also ultimately the metaphysical basis of um uh experience uh, existence is what we experience now there's more to existence than what we experience um but our experience of existence is um personally filtered and the four substratum of existence, because it's particularly, we're talking about personal experience or personal, uh, the human um, knowing or experiencing of existence. The substratum of existence from this Wisdom Library write-up says there are four kinds enumerated. First is the five skandhas. So this is really quite an advanced teaching here. We're putting together particular teachings into um, systems. So this is a, a integration of multiple teachings uh, as to what is upadi, which is a basis of continued rebirth or dukkha. So uh, the substratum of existence, uh, the five groups or the clinging aggregates, <laughs> the five skandhas or khandhas, sensuous desire, kama, uh, particularly kama bhava or kama tana, kama K-A-M-A, -A, like Kama Sutra, right? Kama, the word desire, or sensual desire, or desire for physical experience. Um, it's really the craving and clinging of it, uh, but it's certainly um, that which keeps us bound to rebirth, or keeps beings rebound to rebirth in form. So this is all very advanced. <laughs> uh, so the five substratum, or upadi, as the basis for our continued exi existence and dukkha is the five skandhas, uh, sensuous desire, kama, or particularly kama, uh, kama tana, kama, or sensual craving, kama bhava, sensual becoming, mental defilements, klesha, and then karma. Mm. So uh, we have a sense of self, its constituents are the five skandhas, and that's form or body and feeling or sensations in the body and perceptions of mind of body and perceptions of mind of mind five senses plus the mind sense six then sankara or skanda uh, samkara sank the the uh, fabricating faculty the what's called fermentations but mental fabrications, mental thought and feeling, and all the thought form, concept, image, memory, mental combinations that we experience, and then consciousness, the fifth. 
So the five skandhas and then desire or craving for form and physical existence and then kleshas that makes karma. <laughs> so it's very deep. Uh, and uh, each one of these, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> can obviously be explained <clears throat> in greater detail. So because uh, the original desires that entities seek and become one, uh, there are entities, or there's a creation of light with dimensions and this all, as Gautama would say. Within that, we have the existence or appearance uh, of beings, which are of five skandhas, or constituents to their sense of self or beingness, with various desires that are associated with craving and ignorance, uh, and then <clears throat> related to that, all sorts of kleshas or mental defilements or mental um, mental obstructions, even klesha, and that creates karma. And I talked about extensively kleshas before, or a bit at least, uh, ten defilements, ten kleshas, where it starts with the three root kleshas or three poisons, three unwholesome roots grasping aversion ignorance or greed hate delusion whichever way you want to say it it's not like people uh, the, the typical translation as greed hate and delusion uh, is a very broad stroke uh, appear <laughs> presentation because uh, craving or, or <clears throat> let's just say the first this first and second loba and dosa uh, grasping and aversion or greed and hate are commonly not that intense greed and hate um, clinging to certain opinions uh, not wanting to find out that I've been mistaken are forms of uh, loba or grasping and feeling irritated or feeling just mm, frustrated with anything you know in a heavy way I mean this is there's a difference between what arises <clears throat> and then clinging to what arises uh, in the in the completed being they just don't arise uh, but for us they will uh, but they're not all going to be coming up so strongly as greed and hate uh, but various more such much more subtle forms of <clears throat> uh, attachment grasping and attachment habitual frustration or irritability even impatience so these ten kleshas um, come naturally <laughs> and in the higher the higher the dimension the more purified those kleshas so without getting into all that which goes endlessly really let me read the sutta now <clears throat> from Tanasaro's translation via Tanupasana Sutta contemplation of dualities uh, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs and then um, selected key points from the subsequent paragraphs. So it begins, I have heard that on one occasion the Blessed One was staying near Savati in the eastern monastery, that's the Migara Upasada, on the, the palace of Migara's mother, built for monks. Now on that occasion, the Uposata day of the 15th, the full moon night, the Blessed One was sitting in the open air surrounded by the community of monks. 
surveying the silent community of monks, as they were known to be quite uh, silent, in fact, he addressed them. Quote, Gautama said, Monks, if there are any who ask, <laughs> meaning uh, what the others are, might asking, you're listening to teachings that are skillful, noble, leading onward, going to self-awakening, is a prerequisite for what? They should be told, for the sake of knowing qualities of dualities as they actually are. What duality are you talking about? And then he explains. <laughs> so I'll finish this paragraph and then just try to explain it. What duality? So <clears throat> Gautama is talking to the monks, uh, setting up <laughs> a hypothetical situation where some others are approaching the monks and asking them, uh, what's the purpose of your listening to various teachings? What's the purpose of your listening to these teachings? It's a prerequisite for what? What's the goal or um, intended consequence of your listening to various teachings? <clears throat> and Gautama says right, right away, for the sake of knowing qualities of dualities as they actually are. So that's one of the key purposes of listening to teaching, to knowing qualities of dualities. That's interesting. And what, qual what duality you're speaking about, that person hypothetically asking a monk may then ask. <clears throat> Gautama explains the first of them, which is the, fourfold, the Four Noble Truths. What duality are you speaking about? hypothetically asks the person approaching the monks that Gautama is explaining. And he says, this is stress. This is dukkha. This is dukkha. This is the origination of dukkha. This is one contemplation. This is the cessation of stress, meaning the end of dukkha. And this is the path leading to the cessation of dukkha. This is the second contemplation. For a monk rightly contemplating this duality in this way, heedful, ardent, and resolute, one of two fruits can be expected, either gnosis right here and now, gnosis means nirvana, or if there be any remnant of clinging sustenance, clinging is upadana, sustenance is some kind of fuel for that, non-return. And so <clears throat> then he gives a verse on it. That is what the Blessed One said. Having said that, the one well gone, the teacher, Gautama, said further, those who don't discern dukkha and what brings dukkha into play and where it totally stops without trace, nirvana, who also don't know the path to nirvana or the cessation of dukkha, the way to the stilling of dukkha, lowly in their awareness release and discernment release, incapable of making an end, they're headed to birth and aging meaning continue reincarnation in samsara. But those who discern dukkha and what brings dukkha into play, first two noble truths, and where it totally stops without trace, who discern the path, the way to the stilling of dukkha, so the second two noble truths, consummate in their awareness release and discernment release, capable of making an end, they are not headed toward birth and aging. And so that's the <clears throat> template, which is, it's a very complicated sutta, really. Uh, the template is 
the hypothetical case of um, non-Buddhists asking monks, what's the purpose of your listening to his various teachings? And one of the primary purposes is uh, to achieve complete and perfect enlightenment or non-returner by way of knowing qualities of dualities as they actually are. This phrase is rightly contemplating this duality in this way. So right contemplation of duality or polarities in uh, the way of finding objective truth and, and discovering the, the truth of the matter of each one of the 15 polarities. And so <clears throat> the final, in, in every one of the paragraphs, uh, there's going to be um, the phrase, the, the, the setting up of the hypothetical case, for the sake of knowing quality, uh, for the sake of what are you listening? You're listening to teachings that are skillful, noble, leaning onward, going to self-awakening, is a prerequisite for what? And knowing about what particular qualities of dualities uh, can lead to the goal. <clears throat> and the goal is gnosis right here and now, meaning complete and perfect awakening or arahan now, or uh, non-returning, which is uh, basically ends up in probably in sixth density as a higher self and doesn't come back, actually. Upper sixth density is probably uh, a realm of non-returners. Because higher self, Atman, <clears throat> at least as far as I can determine from the raw material, uh, is talking about Atman that doesn't come back. They're looking, in seventh density, the looking backwards is finished. In sixth density, the reincarnating downwards is finished, but there's still this attachment to this evolving mind-body-spirit complex. Uh, Gautama doesn't talk about higher self at all. Uh, and there's the Anatta teaching, which is commonly understood as no self, but it's a little more complicated than that. But non-returning is uh, one step away from finishing the work of the octave, so I would imagine it's late sixth density. And in a certain sense, higher self as, a, as itself doesn't return. It just manages an aspect of its being in a returning. So it may be higher self that's finished being higher self is non-returning, who can say. So <laughs> you've got these 15 dualities contemplation, rightful, right contemplation of which lead to awakening and or non-returning. And so the first is the Four Noble Truths, um, Dukkha and its, and its cause and Nirvana or the goal and its way. After that, <clears throat> this, the next paragraphs all have the same template being, now if there is anyone now, if there are any who ask, would there be the right contemplation of dualities in yet another way? They should be told there would, and then how would that be? And then Gautama explains it. And so, for the next 14 paragraphs, I believe, uh, you've got the next hypothetical of somebody approaching the monk asking about other dualities for contemplation. Uh, would there be the right contemplation of dualities in yet another way? Yes, there would. How would that be? Then is explained. And the second is whatever stress or whatever dukkha comes into play is all from acquisition as a requisite condition. 
so this is sorry this is super technical and <laughs> this is uh not this is this this sutta was not much commented on there was very little i found when i did a web search for other comment things on it uh it's um quite um in depth so the second contemplation is that dukkha arises from acquisition as a requisite condition acquisition i don't know the poly for that it's um it's some kind of um it, it's akin to grasping or craving but it's not the same um it it i'm not sure what the the poly was i couldn't find it in any case the second duality is the fact that dukkha arises from the basis from requisite condition the basis of acquisition and then in all cases the next kind of statement is from the ending of that from the from the ending of its basis um dukkha ends and then uh reincarnation ends and then the being will be free from the octave or uh, free from the round of birth and death and so it said from the remainderless fading and cessation of that very acquisition right the acquisition as a requisite condition for dukkha from the remainderless fading and cessation of the acquisition some kind of taking on of a beingness um, it could even be associated with conceit actually from that fading and cessation meaning it just doesn't happen the acquiring that acquisitive um, taking in of something um, it may even be as subtle as a sense of self or uh, the view that that i must acquire and and grasp from the ending of that there's no coming into play of dukkha meaning dukkha doesn't happen and then one is getting finished and he said this is the second contemplation and the the common phrase at each one of these paragraphs that ends it is for a monk rightly contemplating this duality in this way heedful ardent and resolute one of two fruits can be expected and then you get either gnosis right here and now or if there be any remnant of clinging sustenance non-return so the purpose of contemplating these various dualities is to achieve the goal of uh, complete and perfect enlightenment unbinding or non-return so gatama then puts a paragraph or some verse to that and says the manifold stresses or dukkha that comes into play in the world come from acquisition as their cause anyone not knowing this creates acquisition or some kind of taking in and holding the fool he comes to dukkha again and again therefore discerning this you shouldn't create acquisition as you contemplate birth as what brings dukkha into play so don't as you contemplate birth <laughs> and that acquisition so acquisition may be related to birth uh taking a body reincarnating taking bodies repeatedly and and um <laughs> so this is all very subtle metaphysics so discerning the fact that taking a body or some basic kind of acquisition is a basis for dukkha um you shouldn't do such acquisition 
as you contemplate birth as to what brings dukkha into play. And so every other paragraph uh, presents a different duality for rightful contemplation. For a monk rightly contemplating this duality in this way, they can get those you know, two fruits, uh, complete and perfect awakening or non-return. So the third duality is whatever dukkha comes into play is all from ignorance as a requisite condition. So we have acquisition and then we have ignorance or avidya. In fact, that acquisition may be related to upadi. So while somebody translates it as a substratum of existence, um, Tanisaro may have translated it as acquisition, whatever that means, is acquisition of the basis of incarnation. <laughs> okay, so all very high philosophy here. Uh, so the second requisite condition of dukkha is ignorance after acquisition. And Gautama's comment on that is, those who journey the wandering on through birth and death again and again in this state here or anywhere else, that destination, meaning rebirth, is simply through ignorance or avidya. This avidya is a great delusion whereby they have wandered on a long, long time while beings immersed in clear knowing don't go to further becoming. No further rebirth or becoming uh, in, when they're immersed in clear knowing. It's a very Mahayanist or even uh, Vajrayana. Dzogchen is a kind of clear, clear knowing from the Tibetan tradition. Beings immersed in clear knowing don't go to further becoming. Uh, you shouldn't create acquisition as you contemplate birth as to what brings Dukkha into play. So contemplating the prerequisites or the bases, the dualistic uh, bases of um, Dukkha, uh, which is the basis of rebirth and reincarnation and more Dukkha. And so... Um, beings immersed in clear knowing don't go to further becoming and basically um, end the ignorance which is a great delusion as the basis of wandering on a long long time the next duality um, hypothetically <laughs> asked and uh, practically answered by Gautama here is Whatever stress, so you see this is the third of um, the bases, the dualistic, you know, the, the polarities, uh, a, a polarity for contemplation associated with the basis of dukkha. So this next one is whatever stress or dukkha comes into play is all from fabrication as a requisite condition. Fabrication being sankara, samskara, the fourth skanda or kanda. So that mental fabricating, fermenting, volitional compounding, thought form producing, basically um, conception, conceivings, um, which are all uh, distorted in one way or another, actually. So conceiving the sense of self doesn't um, fully uh, illumine or reveal the sense of self, the, the nature of self. The sense of self is not... Uh, is is very crudely approximate to the reality of self but the reality of self has nothing to do with 
the way we commonly think of, of self or identity as a self. The nature of self is the nature of identity. The nature of identity is the nature of the one who speaks, uh, commonly called I. Uh, what is this I? Well, in the Advaita Vedanta presentation, discovery of the nature of that I uh, is self-realization. That comes through self-inquiry, aham vichara. And so knowing, uh, knowing what I is is, is ultimately another way of conceiving of uh, nirvana, as far as I can tell. Nirvana, complete and perfect enlightenment, uh, the blowing out of the flames of desire, but particularly craving, uh, the ending of conceit and restlessness, and uh, you know, all ten fetters, but particularly conceit, eighth fetter, restlessness, ninth fetter, and avidya, tenth fetter. Ending that means beings don't reincarnate in the octave. Okay, they finish this all. Only then do, do will we know what I is. Even Ra in sixth density said that they're not yet finished with identity in memory. When they go to seventh density, they finish identity. That's conceived samskaric identity. Samskara, sankara, fourth skanda, uh, compounded, fabricated, thought form based identity the conceived sense of self, uh, conceptions of identity. That doesn't <laughs> reveal or explain the nature of that of the one that speaks. The one that speaks is the I. What is this I? We don't know. You, we won't know, I presume, until we're finished with all avidya. Of course. And so, um, understanding the bases of dukkha are explaining the uh, roots um, uh, of the thirst for becoming or the roots of uh, the roots that keep us reincarnating and so the so this one here is whatever dukkha comes into play uh, is all from sankara samskara as requisite condition and that's another contemplation and then from the remainderless fading and cessation of that very fabrication or samskara there's no coming into play of dukkha and that's the end of that and the one that gets that will also uh, achieve complete awakening in the here and now or non-returner and the verse on that is any stress Gautama said any dukkha I'll, I'll do dukkha for stress any dukkha that comes into play is all from sankara samskara as a requisite condition with the cessation of samskara, there is no dukkha that comes into play. Knowing this drawback, that dukkha comes from samskara, as a requisite condition of dukkha coming into play, with the tranquilizing of all fabrication or samskara, with the stopping of perception, that's how there is this ending of dukkha. Knowing this as it actually is, an attainer of wisdom sees rightly. Seeing rightly, the wise, overcoming the fetter of Mara, go to no further becoming. And so the fetter of Mara is the fetter, what, of avidya? It's the fetter of believing your fabrications, believing that your conceivings are reality. So it's one big 
self-deception or con job. And so when they talk about, the Hindus talk about maya or illusion, um, maya is um, basically, in my understanding, equal to Ra's, uh, con Ra's teaching about the illusion of limits born of the concept of light. The concept of light, right, the action of free will upon love, infinite free will, law of free will upon infinite love, or enabling, second principle, second law, giving rise to light, light as the substrate of seven-dimensional frequency, seven-dimensional vibration, is illusory, or it's conceptual, it's a concept in the mind of infinity. Uh, so creation is uh, God's dream. Creation is a conceptual dream, or dreamscape uh, of the absolute and gives us this experience of limitation, which Ra calls the illusion of limits. Uh, all of that um, we maintain. We maintain a, an apparently uh, substantial experience of all that by way of these uh, prerequisites for dukkha, sankara and ignorance and acquisition, vidya, sankara, upadi, uh, that's how we continue being fooled or reincarnating in the illusion of limits or the seven-dimensional model, the seven-dimensional system, because um, ultimately we want it. <laughs> we want something or we want more or we have craving and clinging. Uh, and so the key to um, getting beyond this prerequisite of dukkha is... Um, tranquilizing of all <laughs> samskara, which is actually non-proliferation, which is a, a, akin to shamatha or some, you know, the state of uh, equanimity and tranquility, uh, upekka and samatha, that are associated with samadhi or meditation, concentration meditation, leading to one-pointedness. And so a quiet mind is a relative experience of uh, samskara, tranquilized and then the basis of that is the stopping of perception and that's <laughs> uh, when you're talking about the the eighth jhana neither perception or non-perception uh, you know only only those that are uh, right on the doorstep of arahan can get to the eighth jhana as far as i can tell which would be uh beyond nothingness beyond nothingness eight, seventh jhana <laughs> is uh eighth jhana which is neither perception, the, the experience of neither perception nor non-perception. What's that? I don't know. I can't tell you. I've ne been, not been there uh, recently. So, but the stopping, of, the stopping of perception, which would ultimately not be some blackness either, because it's not nothingness. That's the seventh jhana. The stopping of perception would be required for a full tranquilizing of all the arising of sankara, or samskara, um, fabrications in the mind, thought form production. But that's <laughs> that that that's how great the goal really is. Is even nearby the goal is way beyond most of us. Then the next duality. Uh, uh, back to the same question: Would there be the monk now? If there are any who ask, would there be the right contemplation of dualities in yet another way? They should be told: Yes, there would. How would that be? So that's the template 
and the next duality is whatever dukkha comes into play is all from consciousness as a requisite condition. So acquisition and ignorance, vidya, and sankhana, samskara, fabrications, and consciousness also as requisite conditions for the arising of dukkha. So you can't be free of suffering or stress if you still have the arising of consciousness and perception. Okay, so you can just see how um, New Age types are just blown out of the water, obliterated and disintegrated by this teaching. This teaching blows them out of the water with not nary a trace as to understanding of the, the, the nature of the work uh, needed for the goal. The goal of complete and perfect enlightenment it ain't, it's a hell of a lot more than moments of non-duality or the Buddha in the palm of your hand or the Buddha, everyone's the Buddha, the Buddha and this kind of uh, simplification of the goal, a, a lowering the goalposts, right? Uh, the goalposts are only two feet tall <laughs> and anybody can kick the ball over and, and those teaching, the people who teach that way um, believe it seems I'm not sure what they believe but one thing they might believe is that I like to have a lot of followers and, and a big organization they also seem to believe that um, quiet mind is um, the goal quiet mind is not the goal quiet mind is a step that's very helpful on the way to the goal but actually there's no arising of dukkha while there's still dependence on the arising of perception and consciousness Eh? And so we're talking, I mean, when Ross says that they'll be finished with identity and memory, that's certainly somewhat akin to the non-arising of perception and consciousness. <laughs> and certainly no arising of samskara. You, you see, you can't, there cannot be the non-arising of samskara or proliferations, mental thought forms, mental fabrications and all that, conceivings. Conceivings themselves are based on uh, perception and take place within consciousness or a subjectivist awareness. There can't be, you, you can't, you can, you can have moments of quiet mind, moments of non-proliferation, which is great, um, very helpful and very useful in cutting roots or um, cutting glaciers, dissolving the roots of glaciers, and um, potentially doing helping support deep self-understanding and uh, healing of emotional blockage and psychological complexes and things like that. Lower triad blockage is well healed for the one that wishes to face it and feel it uh, for the one that can dwell long in a quiet mind without suppression. But uh, that is not <laughs> the goal. That, that is a little taste of the goal. It's a moment and it's not even a, a moment contact with intelligent infinity. It's just uh, an experience of a quiet mind. It's great, but it, it's not the ending of dukkha. Where dukkha is ultimately based upon um, a very subtle level clinging to perception <laughs> and consciousness and thought form production. Mm. So uh, the guys that are, are finished like Webu Sayadaw or John Lee Damodaro and, and others, many others, Nityananda, Gautama, who else? I don't know, many, many, or some, some, maybe better some 
not many, but um, when you when I look at them, I see a fully processed being, and you have to go through hell to get to that. I mean, they went through hell, they finished hell, they've fully tra traversed hell, and they went to hell and back, and they're out. But their freedom, if they really are in in complete and perfect enlightenment, which it seems to me comes from a direct experience of the cessation of perception and consciousness and some samkara or conceivings and ultimately cutting out the roots upon which dukkha and reincarnation are based it's really a, a, a huge piece of work it's a massive work it's seven chakra perfection uh, and it's much under under recognized under appreciated by those um, that teach weekend workshops on uh, non-duality these days as well as buddhists many mahayana and theravada uh, and uh, tibetan or vajrayana buddhists um, underplay the work the goal it seems to me anyway this other duality is consciousness as a requisite condition for the arising of dukkha and says from the remainderless fading and cessation of that very consciousness vijnana there's no coming into play of dukkha and that's another contemplation and so um Ver gautama's verse on that is any dukkha that comes into play is all from consciousness as a requisite condition with the cessation of consciousness there is no dukkha coming into play knowing this drawback that dukkha comes from consciousness as a requisite condition with the stilling of consciousness the monk is free from hunger and totally unbound hunger is craving uh, and is totally unbound so the um, stilling of consciousness the tranquilizing of samskara um, the immersion in clear knowing ends ignorance so these are prerequisites for dukkha and that which is that they are needed to be broken the um, needed to be ended for the non-arising of dukkha and so uh, beyond that uh, the requisite condition uh, of dukkha arising as consciousness beyond samskara and perception and then acquisition as a basis the next contemplation or duality for contemplation Gautama says is whatever dukkha comes into play is all from contact as a requisite condition and so some of these are also of the 12 nidanas the links in the chain of dependent origination or co-dependent arising the Paticca Samutpada, which I remember reading long, long ago, <laughs> 40, uh, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. And so this is um, uh, another way by which reincarnation occurs, a breakdown into 12 links of a chain. Contact and birth are uh, some of those, two of those links. And um, also very important teaching how because of this that comes into being and without that arising uh, the next link won't arise as well and so here we see 
the link or the chain the link in the chain called contact which is very much um, the basis of perception that there's an experience or some phenomenon we can call contact uh, it's sort of the apparent contact of a subject with uh, an object <laughs> which falls away of course because there's it's a uh, the unbinding the unbinding is associated with a realization that the whole uh, conceptual experiential scheme right as con as perceived so conceived and so experienced right because there's perception we have a certain uh, conception and uh, that conception the collection of those conceptions gives us our experience which for everyone is unique and yet there are commonalities like subject object or duality like I had contact with that thing out there or contact with something that is not I and so then we have self and other and duality and subject object and that whole thing that whole um, false world um, that's called Maya <laughs> subject object uh, duality time and space all of that is called Maya or the illusion of the seven dimensions, the illusory octaves, the illusory dimensionalities. All of that uh, sense that this is real, that the, this subject-object schema is real, and it has to fall away too. And so from the, the, the ending of contact, likewise perception and samskara or conceivings and ignorance and acquisition from all that, no, no dukkha arises, as well as no birth. Gautama's verse on that is, For those overcome by contact, flowing along in the stream of becoming, following a miserable path, the ending of fetters is far away, the ten fetters, while those who comprehend contact, delighting in stilling through discernment, they, by breaking through contact, free from hunger, are totally unbound. And so this is, most people flow along in the stream of becoming, following a miserable path. Uh, a path of um, pain and pleasure is called pain. Uh, if it ain't pure white, it's um, distorted. Pure white in the sense, not color. Uh, white in the sense of free of distortion. And uh, you'll see something down uh, next, um, one of these further contemplations, and it looks like we're going to have to go two weeks on this. Well, one of the further contemplations um, gives this, uh, explains from my perspective, or it seems to me it explains a little bit more the, um, a little bit the process of uh, successive um, detachment and renunciation, vairagya, that is required on the path. Like beings go from exclusively or predominantly sensual craving, kama, pana, craving for sensual physical experience, to um, uh, bhavatana, <laughs> bhava becoming taning, but becoming craving, craving for becoming, thirst for becoming, which is in many ways a changed mental experience versus particular pleasurable sensations in a body, right? The people who can sit in front of a painting and feel joy. Um, you can call that sensual craving, um, but actually it's, I think, more of a, a craving. I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with anything, but 
what is the difference between sitting in front of a painting, enjoying it, and being uh, attached to the pleasure, the visual pleasure? It's a, it's a, it's a personal call. You got to make it your figure out yourself. Uh, when when are desires or preferences are associated with pain you can say there's craving or attachment craving or there's clinging craving on the other hand it's always going to be some dukkha to every sukkah has a dukkha or it's always sukkah dukkha never sukkah sukkah <laughs> there's dukkah dukkah and sukkah dukkah sukkah dukkah is better than dukkah dukkah you know who does that of course that's dr evil so doka doka is dr evil soka doka um is um increases the soka portion increases along the path uh, but as to what what is craving and clinging versus useful soka doka or preference that has some pleasure and well-being and some pain or stress um, at each point along the path, people make their own determinations. What's still worth uh, doing? What's still worth it? So, in any case, um, uh, comprehending contact, delighting instilling through discernment. So, tranquilizing sankara and stilling uh, through discernment. The contact, the, the, the problem is where the issue here of, of contact is I see uh, a visual object particularly uh, it's particularly visual contact eye and objects of eye perception EYE I see a beautiful woman Ooh. I see a BMW Ooh. I see a McMansion Ooh. I see uh, whatever <laughs> whatever whoever likes you know six thousand dollar italian suit Ooh. Uh, whatever and then i start salivating <laughs> that's when you know you're you're hooked uh, when there's this sort of sense of i got to have it i can't be well without it and then uh, this is raga and and then um one um does all sorts of things to get these objects of uh, desire uh, that's that would need to be stilled or when objects of perception uh, I you know contact perceptual contact objects uh, contact is made through perception of objects in which there may well be the arising of unwholesome states of mind that's when uh, one applies stilling through discernment okay the four right efforts, samapadana, or right exertions, uh, also critical. That's where still this is related to, to stilling through discernment. Stilling what? Stilling any unwholesome response to contact, like perceptual, visual contact, eye contact, or eye perception, of objects that we may well lust for. <laughs> and again, from some perspective, from a from a late six density wanderer's perspective, yeah, 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 everything is God and everything is fine, and there are consequences, and certain fine, up to you, um, activities we engage in will have painful consequences. We'll have dukkha dukkha consequences, not just sukkha dukkha, but dukkha dukkha. 
and so it's your call but uh, the stilling through discernment is the stilling of unwholesome tendencies that arise upon um, any form of contact with objects of the senses particularly visual and, and tactile that we may then generate unwholesome mental states towards <laughs> so like that I think then and and then the next duality or right contemplation uh, duality for right contemplation for release is whatever stress comes into play or dukkha is all from feeling as requisite condition so here we're going through the five skandhas right sankara uh, fabrications is one of them so uh, requisite <clears throat> requisite conditions for dukkha are basically um, all of the five skandhas and that's where you've got the discussion of upadi a substrate of existence and one of its bases is the five constituents of the sense of self so acquisition of a body form and then uh, sensations or feelings in the body that lead to that may trigger unwholesome kleshas that may lead one to generating kleshas or craving or clinging or attachment so acquisition of a body <laughs> uh, experience of feelings and sensations in the body um, perception the arising of sankara or samskara or fabrications and fermenting mental process and consciousness itself so those are the five skandhas those are uh, called the five groups in the wisdom library definition of the basis of substratum of existence meaning upadi then there's kama and klesha and karma as other bases of upadi and so <laughs> sorry but I, I have to explain the details so um, if you listen if you if anybody can listen if I listen uh, twice or three times I might get it then uh, cat just jumped up she doesn't ever get it but she just uh, her saving grace is that she's really cute she's she's a real s nagging nagging uh, nagging wife I don't know if she's my wife but she's a nagger but she's cute so fortunately she's cute so anyway uh, what you've got here is um, feeling as one of the five skandhas as one of the multiple requisite conditions for the arising of dukkha which keeps us bound to birth and death and so Gautama's teaching on the remainderless you know on, on the contemplation of the duality of um, feeling coming into play like perception or consciousness or sankara Gautama said knowing that whatever is felt pleasure pain neither pleasure nor pain within or without is stressful is dukkha so whatever is felt is dukkha deceptive dissolving see in meaning impermanent seeing its passing away at each contact each contact he knows it right there with just the ending of feeling there is no stress coming into play and so you can cut the uh, chains you can cut pachitra samapada or the uh, chain of dependent arising origination at any of the 12 links 
this is very subtle and yeah we'll definitely do a second week here uh, and we're talking about how to work with the five skandhas how to work with the 12 nidanas of Patichasamapada or dependent origination dependent arising how to work with them in the way to not um, continue continually generate the basis of dukkha and rebirth so knowing that whatever is felt pleasure pain neither pleasure nor pain within or without is dukkha and deceptive meaning it's illusory there's something false in um, the very experience of feeling in the body and dissolving seeing it's passing away at each contact so in a moment of contact and this is a really high people in meditation they have an, a sensory experience a very a very, a, a very well accomplished yogi can um, direct attention to the arising of any sensation like an itch in the leg or um, a cramp or pain in the knees or back and immediately dissolve it how simply by the depth of their by the power of their awareness or attentiveness or mindfulness it's really by the power of, of attentiveness or mindfulness I'd say the light of attention is so bright whereby they understand it not only is it stressful or dukkha it's fake it's um, illusory it's um, empty of characteristic if we don't attribute and if we if we see the uh, emptiness of what appears to be substantial they can see it I can't but they can this is again blows the new age teachings out of the water it seems to me there's lots of good new age teaching yeah 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 but if we're talking about ultimate the way to ultimate freedom they, they can't hold a candle to this the way to ultimate freedom ultimate freedom means complete and perfect awakening or release from all reincarnation if that that's the only goal I mean the ultimate goal I mean there's you know goal of harvestability and goal of you know achieve a union of jiva and atman become jivatman or late sixth density whatever non-returning even but but the purpose of uh, spiritual path is to return to source that really can only happen with or only fully happens with the beings that no need no longer need to reincarnate in the octave and yet you know there are charms and pleasures of the octave of course but uh, this one the way of breaking one way of um, attaining enlightenment in the here and now or non-returner is by a targeted targeted attention to this particular nidana of contact and seeing that whatever seems to arise is nothing there's nothing there it's deceptive why does Gautama say that contact is deceptive it's in it's patently false what does it mean it means that there's that you think there's something there but there isn't or there is something there but it isn't what you think it is our conceiving of contact which is basically adding samskara uh, perception and then and then conceivings of the nature of the contact of what's going on that whole thing is illusory or empty 
of, uh, of self-nature. And that's where the teaching of anatta fits. That's anatta. Contact is anatta. The, the, the skandhas are anatta. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> that's about contact. Then there's the right contemplation of dualities in yet another way, which is whatever stress comes into play is all from craving, right? Tana which is uh, also in one of the nidanas or in the, the links in the chain. So whatever dukkha comes into play is all from tana as requisite condition. Then from the remainderless fading and cessation of that very tana, there's no coming into play of dukkha. That's another contemplation. And so the dualities are, um, there's this, which is the basis of dukkha, and then there's the remainderless fading and cessation of this that then doesn't give birth to dukkha. So each of these dualities is um, the arising of this as a basis of dukkha, the non-arising of this as a basis for no more dukkha. And then one would have some awakening in that moment. And this, I think, is probably where we're going to have to end for today. Gautama's comment or verse on craving, he said, with, I'll use the, the original Tana, with Tana, his companion, a man wanders on a long, long time. Neither in this state here nor anywhere else does he go beyond the wandering on. Knowing this drawback, that Tana brings Dukkha into play, free from tana, devoid of ubadana, meaning devoid of clinging. Mindful, sati, the monk lives the wandering life. And that doesn't mean going from tree to tree, necessarily. Uh, it can also mean being free of settling down in distortion, um, seeking um, uh, the mind freedom of not getting stuck, not getting stuck uh, by craving and clinging and attachment and grasping and aversion and ignorance, not getting stuck in confusion, not getting stuck in um, monkey mind, not getting stuck on I hate it, I don't like, not getting stuck on I need it, I've got to hold it and keep it, uh, not getting stuck in any way is akin to the monk living the wandering life uh, in, in mind. The, the you know there are guys that wander from tree to tree and they're still very stuck in mind and there are those guys and gals that are not wandering from tree to tree their home you know like, like Nisargadat right he lived in the the dusty ghettos of Bombay Mumbai I believe Nisargadat Maharaj uh, sort of one of the one of the inheritors of Nityananda's legacy, not necessarily a direct disciple, but I believe, uh, I think I see, I think of, Nit, of Nisargadat Maharaj as sort of uh, the younger brother of Gautama. <laughs> I don't know if he would slap me for that, or he would laugh, or he would offer me halwa, but uh, I think of Nisargadat as the younger brother of Nityanand, and. Um, I'll uh, await the verdict later. So, with craving his companion, the, the, the companion, our companion is Tana. I still want more. I still want more. I have some emptiness. I still want more. 
uh, with craving. Tana, his companion, a man, wanders on a long, long time. Neither in this state here, 3D space-time, nor anywhere else does he go beyond the wandering on. Right? So, <clears throat> the, we're all wanderers, you can say. Knowing this drawback, that Tana brings Dukkha into play, free from craving, devoid of, cra of clinging, the mindful, the monk, live the wandering life. Right? Wander... Uh, wander solitary, wander alone like the rhinoceros. So, um, that'll be the final verse for today. <laughs> it's a, quite an involved sutta, I must say. I feel sort of like I'm being tested. Uh, and after that, we'll look at clinging and disturbance and nutriment and perturbation, being perturbed, um, and dependency and wavering <laughs> uh, as bases of dukkha arising. And then some very lovely, one of the, the last paragraph, um, the last few paragraphs are also deep. So this is quite a, quite a heavyweight sutta, I must say. This is like, uh, this is the George Foreman of suttas. I like George Foreman, even though he lost it. Uh, this is sort of heavyweight class. Ding, 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 ding. Everybody's 260 pounds. Uh, and uh, I hope you like it. <laughs> so, uh, next time we will complete, I guess, this uh, Vayatanu Pasana Sutta. It's really quite serious. Uh, contemplation of dualities for the purpose of um, dissolving the the roots of the conditions bringing about dukkha and rebirth and suffering and stress. So I hope this was useful. Um, congratulations if you got this far. And um, may the best man win the U.S. presidential selection. Uh, operation and uh, we'll see what happens but in any case I wish you well thank you everyone for being here take good care of yourselves and see you next time good night